much. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. And uh, good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, yes, we, uh, as Joel mentioned, we, 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 we grieve, we grieve uh, this morning. Uh, our brother Chuck went to be with the Lord on Monday. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we've been, we're praying for him and his family. Our ladies have been going, uh, bringing food to the house to, Joe, to Tracy every day this week. Uh, but we'll miss him. And we'll always miss him. Amen. Uh, we know we'll see him again. We know we'll see him again. But we want to pray. We want to pray for, for Chuck's family. Uh, Chuck, who was our, our worship leader, uh, he was up here every, day, every Sunday leading us. And Chuck, who was our very faithful deacon, we miss him dearly. We're going to pray for Chuck and his family. Also, want to pray for um, Julie. Uh, Julie um, just found, uh, got news yesterday. Her daughter uh, had a very, very serious uh, medical emergency. So she was in the emergency hospital, emergency last night, and she will be uh, for the near future. So Julie's having to take care of the newborn. She just had a newborn baby. So we want to pray for Julie um, in her situation, okay? Let's bow together in prayer. Father God, uh, Lord, uh, all things happen in your time, Lord, and uh, we don't always know the reasons, but, but you do, Lord, and, and uh, we just put it all in your hands, and we pray for Chuck's family right now, for Tracy, his children, Shane, uh, Rachel, and Travis. We just pray your Holy Spirit, be a, give them comfort, uh, comfort in their lives right now, and strength. And help us to be the support, uh, best support we can be, Lord, in Christ, in loving them. Father, thank you. And we pray for Julie right now. Uh, she's uh, taking care of the newborn. Her daughter is in the hospital emergency. And we just pray uh, for her daughter's uh, uh, quick recovery. And we pray for Julie that you give her strength and wisdom as she takes care of this newborn, Lord. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we, uh, as we, as has been mentioned, Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to to all of our dads. Good to, good to. Oh, good to have everybody here today. And uh, Jessica and uh, everyone else. Yeah. All right. Um, but as I say that, you know, this is the day that we celebrate our our dads. But as I say that, I realize that this is a difficult, this can be a difficult day for different reasons. This can be a difficult day for those who have recently, uh, a father has, uh, has recently passed, and of course we think of Chuck and his family. This can be a difficult day also for children that haven't had the blessing of growing up uh, with a good dad in the home. You know, statistically, they tell us nearly four out of ten children today do not grow up with their father in the home. That's nearly 40% uh, that don't have, a, don't have a dad in their household. But thank God for the dads that are there, that are, that, are, that are there for their kids. And thank God for those that don't have a dad. The Bible says, Psalm 65, verse 8, rather 68, verse 5, <laughs> that God, <laughs> a little reversal there, God is the father to the fatherless. He's, he's a, he is the father to the fatherless. Uh, John Fountain, 
is a man who is a professor of journalism at the University of Illinois. He is also has been a con- correspondent with the New York Times. He tells the story of how, how God became a father to him as he was fatherless. You see, his father disappeared from his life when he was just a little boy. And John was being interviewed by the NPR in a series they were doing called This I Believe. And he told them this. He says, I believe in God, not that cosmic intangible spirit in the sky that mama told me as a little boy always was and always will be, (coughs) but the God who embraced me when daddy disappeared from our lives, from my life at age four. The night police led him down the stairs away from our front door. In our our apartment, when the the God who warmed warmed me, when we could see our breath inside our freezing apartment, when the gas was disconnected in the dead of another wind whipped Chicago winter, and there was no food, little hope, and no hot water. The God who held my hand when I witnessed the boys in my hood swallowed by the elements, by death, and by hopelessness, who claimed me when I felt no, like no man's son amid the absence of any man to wrap his arms around me and tell me everything's going to be okay, to speak proudly of me, to call me a son. You see, we're going to look at two We're going to look at two important revelations of God this morning that he gives us in his word about himself. Two two revelations where God reveals to us who he is to help us understand him, help us know him uh, and and who he is. And so the first revelation is this, and you'll have an outline in the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. The first revelation is this, to to know the Father, to know the Father by knowing his love. Know the Father by knowing his love. John, John Fountain found God, the Father, as his father. The, he found God to be the father of the fatherless, to be his dad. John Fountain, we're, we're going to look at this God, God the Father, this morning to know him more, to understand him more, to appreciate him more. We're going to look at God the Father this morning who wants us to seek him, to understand him, to know him as our Father. Know the Father. James chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that God the Father is the one who is the giver of all good and perfect things. It says he is the Father of lights, who does not change. God doesn't change. You don't have to worry that he's going to be different than the way he was. You don't have to worry that he's going to evolve into something else. God does not change. He's eternal. We can always uh, depend upon him. God the Father wants us to know him, he wants us to seek Him. He wants us to draw near to Him. And do you know what the Bible says will happen when you draw near to God? Some of you know it. It says, draw near to God and He will 
draw near to you. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, everyone. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Draw near to God. God will draw near to you. God the Father. What does it mean to know God the Father? What does it mean? How should it affect our lives to know Him? The Bible tells us. The Bible contains the story of God's unfailing love for us. It, it, even when we are, now speaking for myself, even when we are often unlovable, <laughs> okay, you know, how God continually woos us, He nurtures us, He cares for us, He does the best for us, those who love who He loves. Always seeking to draw people to Himself. God the Father, knowing Him and knowing His love. You know, the climactic verse in the Bible about God's love is in John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He loved the world. God gave of himself when he gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave himself up for us, died on the cross for us, that through that sacrifice... Our sins would be atoned. Our sins would be covered. And we can be forgiven. And Jesus, Jesus, we, once we accept him, once we accept him in our heart, and this is something Chuck would always pray about. At the close of every service, you might remember him always praying, you know, that people would hear the gospel, and that we'd be able to share the gospel of Jesus, that others might know and come in to know the family of God and be in the forever family of God. Amen? To know him, to be a part of his family, to be able to call God Father and mean it, to be able to call God Father. It's how God reveals himself as Father. That's how he wants to us to understand him as Father. You know, there's been different ideas in the world, in the world about who God is throughout the history of humanity. In the ancient Greece, the Greeks had a mythological uh, God they called Zeus, who, uh, who was kind of moody and uh, impatient and would zap his, you know, somebody that he was a little frustrated with, and he would zap him with a well-aimed lightning bolt. <laughs> <coughs> then there's a God of Hinduism. Now, Hinduism, to the Hindus, God is the universe and everything in it. There's no separation between a creator and creation. It's all one. That's called pantheism. Then there's a God of Buddhism. See, Buddhism does not believe there's such a thing as a personal God. And then you have the God of the Muslims. Muslims believe in an almighty God. They believe in an omniscient, all-knowing God, but he's inaccessible. He, you can, it's not possible to know him personally. Contrast that with Jehovah, God of the Bible, the God of the Bible, who, yes, he is to be feared. Yes, he is to be awesomely respected. But as a believer, you know he's not, the, not only the almighty God, but he is God our Father. 
He is God in whom we can have an intimate, personal relationship. The Father, the Father to the fatherless, who is a father to you if you believe in his son. God the Father, knowing him, knowing him. And what happens? You know, when Jesus Christ came, that made all the difference. The dramatic change in our relationship with Christ happened when Jesus came. And now Jesus rose. And when you accept him, now we can address the Lord of the universe. The, the Lord who created all as Father. We can know his love by the spirit of Christ within us. The spirit of Jesus Christ, when we accept him, he comes within us. And you know what happens? We are adopted. We are adopted by his spirit. You know, a lot of cultures, many cultures in our, uh, have, have a process for adoption. Some of you might have adopted children. Moses was adopted. 1,400 years before Jesus Christ was born upon this earth, Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's family. And you know what? God has a process of, of adoption. Did you know that? What is that process? The process happens the moment you receive his spirit. Where the moment Christ comes in, Romans chapter 8 gives us a window to understand that process. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 15, it says this. It says, it says this. It says, the spirit you received did not make you slaves so that you should live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. Your adoption as children, sons, children of God. The spirit himself testifies. It says, when we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. We're adopted. We're in his family, the forever family of God. You see, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that testifies. When we cry, Abba, Father, you know that word Abba is an Aramaic word. Jesus grew up learning Aramaic. That was his mother tongue. As a Jew growing up in Palestine, that was the first language he learned. And Abba might have been, very well been the very first word he learned. You know, our little granddaughter, Violetta, we brought to church last Sunday. You might remember her. She's just, learned, what is she, 16 months, love? And she's just learning how to talk, saying her very first words. And every time Tess gets a chance to talk to her, she tries to get her to say, tries to get her to say, Amma. Amma. Amma is a Spanish kind of a, uh, 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 um, what do you call it? Uh, it's a term, a Spanish uh, uh, a term meaning grandma. Grandma. So she say, tell her, try to say Amma, her first words. Jesus, my, his very, very first words might have been Abba. Of course, it probably was Mama. But, uh, but, <laughs> but it could have been Abba, right? Abba. You see, it has with it a, a, a sense of warmth, a sense of intimacy. Jesus has an intimacy with the Father that you and I now can share. We can share that intimacy with the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. Amen.
Amen. As members of his forever, members of his forever family, to know God, the Father, is to know his love. And his love, his love gives us the victory. In every circumstance, his love gives us the victory in life. Knowing it personally. Why? Because his is the love, his is the, 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 the greatest love that matters more than anything else. Romans chapter 8, Apostle Paul talks about the things that might come against us in life. The troubles, the hardships, the persecutions. And he says this. Verse 7, 37 of Romans 8, he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. To have that experience of knowing God's love. And he goes on to say, there's nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's a love that gives us a victory of knowing God loves you. Experiencing it firsthand. The love. The love of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is this love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. John Fountain continued this interview with NPR News. He said, I believe in God. God the Father embodied in his son Jesus Christ, the God who allowed me to feel his presence, whether by the warmth that filled my belly like hot chocolate on a cold afternoon, or that voice, whenever I found myself in the tempest of life's storms, telling me, even when I was told that I was nothing, that I was something, that I was his, that even amid the desertion of the man who gave me his name and his DNA and a little bit else, little else, that I might find in him sustenance. I believe in God. The God who I have come to know as Father, Abba, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. The word Abba literally means Daddy. So knowing, how to, uh, have you come to know God in this way? Have you come to know Him as your Father? Have you come to know the intimacy of a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ? He wants you to. He wants you to. He wants you to know his love. So that's the first revelation of knowing the Father is to knowing his love. The second revelation is this. Know the Father by knowing his role. Knowing his role. Know what he does as our heavenly parent. Ah, God, amen, is our heavenly parent. Fathers have a role upon this earth um, as a parent. And that applies to you moms too. And a lot of families when the mom and papa's not there, mama has to do double duty. God bless the mothers that do. But parents have a role upon this earth that's patterned after our heavenly parent. God the Father is the model of parenthood. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, Jesus talks about that comparison. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about uh, how God answers our prayers. And he says it this way. 
comparing it to the parents, earthly parents. He says in Romans chapter, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What's Jesus saying? He's saying even though we're sinners, we still love our kids. We want to give them good things. We don't want to disappoint them. We don't want to, you know, they ask us for some kind of request. We don't want to totally disappoint them. We want to give them things that will make them happy, good things. How much more? How much more will God the Father give good things to those who ask him? To those who ask him. His role as our parent. So God sets the example. God sets the model of parenthood. Of parenthood. His power. How much greater is his power? How much greater is his wisdom? He sets the pattern for parenthood. We're going to look at three responsibilities of fatherhood right now. There are three. We're looking at the role of fathers. We'll see. We're going to look at three responsibilities right now, okay? The first responsibility, the very first responsibility of a father is to pray. Amen? Pray. Pray for your children. Pray for your children. Pray in the uh, uh, directions they take and the decisions they make. Pray. Pray first and foremost that they find the Lord, that he saves them, that he protects them, that he directs them. Pray. Not only pray for your children, but pray for who else? Pray for yourself. Pray that God gives you the wisdom. To bring up a child, what does it say, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, that's talking about a, pray, a training that sticks. This is not saying they're never going to make a mistake. That's not saying they're never going to go the wrong road, going down the wrong road. Lord knows I have. But it's saying... That you, it's a, a training you'll remember, a training you can come back to, a training you can follow. There I go again with the plants. Huh? <laughs> that you can follow. So the first responsibility of parenthood is pray. <clears throat> Number two, second responsibility of a father is to teach and to discipline. When I say father, I mean parent, really father and mother. Teach and discipline. Equip your child for life's journey. Teach and discipline in love as God does. Let's take a look. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. We're going to see the, the pattern of fatherhood, of parenthood that God gives us. It says it this way, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse, uh, verse 5. Right about the middle of that verse, it says this. My son, do not make light the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord, listen to this now, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. 
and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are, are not disciplined by their father? See, God disciplines us because he loves us. I saw a beautiful example of this just this last week. In our home, our very own home, Catalina, the second of our, second old, uh, oldest of our baby granddaughters, she went to lunch with a few of us in our group uh, a couple weeks ago, remember? Uh, my wife gave her a little strawberry in the living room. Catalina loved that strawberry. She ate it. Then she got the top of it to the top where you had the little leaves on top, and she just, she just threw it on the ground. <laughs> just threw it on the ground. And my wife, she takes her by the hand, in love, mind you, takes her by the hand, she puts the strawberry in her other hand, walks her over to the garbage can, Catalina's crying, ah, screaming, oh, I felt so bad for Catalina. And then she, <laughs> she opens the garbage can and she says, garbage. She says, Make sure she knows what it is, garbage, garbage. And she had to throw it in the garbage. And it was kind of amazing to me the next time she gave her a little strawberry in the living room. She gave her a little strawberry. Catalina looked over to her grandma. And she ran over to the garbage can. <laughs> she threw it in. <laughs> and her mama praised her. Grandma praised her. Gave her praise. <laughs> Look at this. Verse 11. We're, in Ma we're still in Matthew 12. Verse 11. It says this. It says, for discipline... I lost my place there. The verse says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a fruit of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. Huh? That's, what does that mean? It means you, your discipline produces righteousness and peace because you've learned to live right with God, live right with man. You've experienced that peace, and you know where to put the strawberry tops. <laughs> so teach and discipline. Teach and discipline. All right, number two. Number three, not only pray for your children, not only teach and discipline your children, but number three, set the example for your children. It's been said, live your life in a manner that you would like your kids to live theirs. You got that? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. The NIV says it this way, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. Setting the example. You know, there was a lot of heroes in World War II. Did you know that? Amen. Our greatest generation, huh? World War II produced a lot of heroes. One of them was a man by the name of Butch O'Hare. Butch O'Hare was a fighter pilot. He was assigned to an aircraft carrier in the South Pacific. One day, he went out on a, a mission, an assignment, and he looked at his fuel gauge and he realized that someone had forgotten to top off his fuel tank. So he had to turn around mid-flight, turn around from his mission, go back to the fleet. And when he did, he saw, what did he see? He saw a Japanese a fighter pilots, Japanese Zeros, heading toward his American fleet, a whole group of them. 
and all the American fighters were out on a sortie. They were out on a mission that left the fleet defenseless, totally defenseless, virtually defenseless. So what did, what did he do? Uh, he, he, he dove into, into this formation of Japanese planes and in a desperate move to divert them from attacking the fleet. And it worked. They broke off the attack and they dispersed. And uh, O'Hare, O'Hare, Brian O'Hare, or Butch O'Hare rather, Butch O'Hare was given the highest military honors. As a matter of fact, O'Hare International Airport in Chicago is named after him. Now, a few, uh, some years earlier, also in Chicago, was a man by the name of Easy Eddie. A man by the name of, he was called Easy Eddie. He was part of the mob. At that time, Al Capone owned Chicago. And Easy Eddie was his lawyer. And he kept Big Al out of jail, okay? Big Al, Al Capone gave him big money in return. He owned an estate as big as a city block in Chicago. And he wanted to give his son, but he had one soft spot. And his soft spot was his son. His son, he saw that his son had the best of everything, the best clothes, the best cars, the best education. And even though he was in the mob, Easy Eddie wanted to teach his son right from wrong. But you see, there was two things he could not give him. He could not give him a good name. And he could not give him a good example. So Easy Eddie decided to rectify. He decided to give his son these two things. He decided it was more important than lavishing him with riches. And he rectified the wrong he had done by going to the authorities. And he told them the truth about Al Capone. He knew, he knew the price he might have to pay. <clears throat> he testified about Al Capone and the mob. He knew the cost would be great. He wanted to, but he wanted to set an example for his son. And he wanted to leave him a good name. Within a year of testifying, Easy Eddie's life was ended in a blaze of gunfire on a lonely Chicago street. He had given his son the greatest gift he had to offer at the greatest price he would ever pay. What, does this, what do these stories have to do with each other? Butch O'Hare was the son of Easy Eddie. He gave him that example. He gave him that name. He paid the price to do it as his father. Taking on that responsibility of being the example to his son. The example of fatherhood, responsibilities to be fulfilled. Know the Father whose love is unchanging, who adopts us all, all who believe in his Son. He adopts us by sending his Spirit within us that we may become part of his forever family. Know the Father whose role is to discipline his children in love. 
and that their children might bear the fruit, bear the fruit of righteousness and of peace. Yeah, and uh, John Fountain concluded his interview with NPR News, and it, with these words, he said it this way. He says, it wasn't until many years later, standing over my father's grave for conversation long overdue, that my tears flowed. I told him about the man that I had become. I told him how much I wished he had been in my life. And I realized fully that in his absence, I had found another. Or, or, or that he, God the Father, my, my, my God, my Father had found me. God the Father is a father to the fatherless. Know him. Grow in your knowledge of his love for you. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we call you Father because you've given us that privilege. You've given us the privilege of having this intimate relationship with you, the Father of the universe, the creator of all things, through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for showing us who you are, for showing us that you love us, that you love each and every one of us. Lord, help us to return that love, return that love in obedience to you. Lord, help us to continue to grow in our love for you, in our, in our obedience to you, in our devotion to you, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for setting the example for us to follow as our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Parent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.